Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. I am Peter Roseberger, and I'm glad that you're along with me on this. How are you doing? How are you holding up? What's going on with you? This show is designed for the family caregiver. So we ask about how you are doing. I don't want you to respond back with we or our or she or he. I want you to say I. How are you doing? You say, well, I am tired or I am struggling or I am grateful, whatever. But start it off with speaking in your own voice. That's the foundation principle for so much of what I do here on this program is equip you and me, hey, both of us, to learn how to speak in our own voice. Hopeforthecaregiver.com, hopeforthecaregiver.com. And if you want, go out and join our Facebook group. We have a group for, for caregivers. And also our Facebook page is all called Hope for the Caregiver. You can go out to our podcast, hopeforthecaregiver.com. Uh, You'll see where it is. Subscribe to it. There's almost 700 episodes that you can listen to. And it's free. Take advantage of it. It's all out there. You ever had trouble kind of, um, how do I say this? Have you ever had trouble holding your tongue (laughs) when things get a little bit weird, particularly in doctor's offices? I mean, we have a lot of opportunities to engage with people in the doctor's office. And last week, we returned to Denver where Gracie had a consult with a new doctor, one that she'd not seen before. I've been back and forth with their office, giving as much history as I can. You know, that helps the process a little bit. But I get there. Now, I want to I paint a picture for you. And the picture, <laughs> the picture is Gracie is in a wheelchair, okay? And she has her crutches cradled in her arm, you know, when she needs to walk. She's wearing a skirt, and she has two very visible prostheses on. Okay, so her legs don't have any skin covering, so they are very robotic looking. And she's worn them like that since the 90s. And so the medical technician comes out into the waiting room, calls us in. So I'm wheeling Gracie back. She's walking beside me with Gracie. And she suggests that we back into the room. Makes it a lot easier because those examination rooms are a little bit, you know, small. All right, you you you're with me so far. You've you've been there. And she goes to the computer and starts filling out the questionnaire for the you know the patient questionnaire. And I'm not saying that she wasn't dialed into her job. Somebody else could say that. I'm not going to say it. She didn't appear to be aggressively interested in her job in Gracie or anything else for that matter. And as she's filling out this form, she asked this question. Do you have trouble walking? And my first response was, really? She's in a wheelchair holding crutches, and she has two prosthetic legs. I want you to imagine (laughs) the torque that went on between my brain and my mouth at that point. Gracie, on the other hand, was very gracious, and she said, yes. Gracie has this ability to remain gracious in situations like that. Not one of my gifts, I got to tell you. So she knew what I was thinking, and she just got, I could see her just move her hand quietly just to quiet me down. 
Next question. Are you afraid of falling? And I'm just like, honestly, Ed, Ed Gracie said, I'm not afraid of it. I just hate doing it. All right. Then the x-ray technician comes in and she's talking to Gracie and she's looking over and she puts her hand on the prosthesis where the, the sleeve on her prosthesis right at her knee. And she said, and I kid you not, does this come off? You remember Bill Ingvall, the comedian? He and Jeff Foxworthy and Larry the Cable Ground and Ron White did a lot of stuff together. And and he had this bit that he would do when people ask a stupid question. He would answer it with something and say, because his premise was stupid people ought to wear a sign that says, I'm stupid. You know, and, and every time somebody would ask him something that was just bizarrely stupid, he would come up with a sarcastic answer and say, here's your sign. <laughs> Where your so I felt like that. I mean, I've had those moments myself where I've asked stupid questions. I mean, we all have, but in that moment there with Gracie, I mean, we're in this professional environment. We're sitting there and you should know that when you ask a woman, if her prosthetic leg comes off, that's a stupid question. <laughs> I wanted to say, no, we stapled it on. Here's your side, <laughs> you know, or would it be better? No, what do you mean? This is my real leg. Here's your side. You know, I mean, you know, I've, I've told people many times before her, her legs are artificial, but her feet are real. Here's your side. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I can't help myself sometimes. At that point I said, you know, I probably need to wait outside because it was all I could do to just restrain myself. You know, sometimes the greatest accomplishment I'll have in a single day, maybe even a single week, is just to keep my mouth shut in moments like that. Do you ever struggle with that? I mean, there are so many things swirling around in my brain that I just wanted to say. (laughs) You just know it's not going to be helpful. And you have to kind of be gracious. And, you know, there's, there's an old saying that there, the two best times to keep your mouth shut are when you're swimming and when you're angry. But I would say there's a third time is when people say something so clueless, so stupid, and you don't need to call them on it. You know, that's a good time. I mean, you you remember, you remember what I told you about when I was at the hotel and the lady had given us the wrong room and it didn't have the, all the handicap facilities that I'd mentioned. And I brought it to her attention as I was checking out one night and I had some ramen soup there. You remember that? And, and I told her about it. I said, look, y'all gave us the wrong room and I've got ramen soup. And she said, she was so sincere. She felt so bad. Here, take that soup on us. It's the least we could do. There ain't no leaster. I mean, that is the absolute, it's ramen soup. Anything less than that is nothing. And, and I'm, you know, you, you want to say something to people, but you can't. You, you, you just, it's not going to be helpful. And Gracie, she knows me after 36 years of marriage. She knows what my brain is doing. And she's over there just like, just, just be quiet. Just, just, just go away. Just, just go outside. Just, just go away. And, you know, what, what would you say? 
I mean, honestly, what would you say when she says, do you have trouble walking? You ain't got any legs. You got crutches in your hands, you know, and you're in a wheelchair. <laughs> do you have trouble walking? Uh, no, I just, you know, I mean, what do you say to that? I grew up with four brothers and my sister came along. She was the baby and she's the worst of the lot, by the way, when it comes to this, we all speak fluent sarcasm. I mean, we got it down cold. When you grew up in a large family like that, bunch of boys particularly, and then my sister, she had no other frame of reference. She didn't have a sister. She had five older brothers. And so she will blister you more than the rest of us combined. And it's hilarious. Now, dad doesn't speak sarcasm. My mother does, but dad doesn't. He just sits back and observes it. But, you know, I grew up in an environment where when somebody said something stupid, there was a whole chorus of people that jumped in to point out how stupid it was. (laughs) And so I find myself out there in these environments where people will say these things. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Do you do you realize the stress that puts on me as a human being to not want to pop off? And yet, I know that I can't. And I'll bet you do too. That's part of our life as caregivers. And I thought maybe you get a little chuckle out of uh, my journey and my expense of struggling with that. Just so you know, you're not alone in this. We're all in this together. And it's okay for us to laugh about these things because they're funny. That's part of having hope for the caregiver, which is that conviction we can live a calmer, healthier, and dare I say it, a more joyful life, even while serving as a caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. We'll be right back. You know, when Matthew 19, the the scripture records a Pharisee trying to test Jesus concerning marriage, and Jesus responded, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In the beginning, the first institution God created was the family. Marriage is the centerpiece of family. As a husband and father myself, let me tell you, marriage is absolutely wonderful. And we want to encourage and educate people to embrace God's design as the fundamental building block for all of human civilization and to celebrate the lifelong union of one man and one woman as the objective institution that produces human flourishing. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. We're now confirmed dead in this latest violent attack. Abortion continues to be a hot-button issue. Man... It seems like the news gets worse every day. I can't even watch it. There's just nothing but bad news. You want some good news? Jesus loves you. Yeah, right. What does that mean? It means Jesus, who was actually God in human form, suffered and died to pay the penalty for sinners like you and me. He took the blame for all the sin in the world and then suffered and died so that we wouldn't have to be punished. So what? I'm not a sinner. Actually, we're all sinners. But God says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we'll be saved. That sounds like good news. Is it true? Here, let me show you in the Bible. Share the good news today. A reminder from American Family Radio.
Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver here on American Family Radio. I am Peter Rosenberger. Glad to have you with us. By the way, take a moment to go out to our Facebook group, Hope for the Caregiver. Join that group. I have a page, Hope for the Caregiver, the page, but the group is something you join, and we put a lot of stuff in there. Also, other members post questions, and they ask for different things, and you can weigh in on them. Or if you have a question, whatever's on your heart, and I'm going to probably sometime in the next couple of weeks do a live Facebook event in that group that you know we can talk, we can whatever's on our heart. Uh, it's for caregivers, so please take advantage of that at Facebook uh, the Facebook group, Hope for the Caregiver. And you can also go out to our website, hopeforthecaregiver.com, find out more about what we're doing. You can also subscribe to the podcast. It is free. And I hope you'll take advantage of that as well. There's so many different resources I'm putting out there. Please don't try to just white-knuckle this and do this all by yourself. That's a mistake that all too many of us have made over our journey as caregivers. And I think that all of us who have tried to do that will certainly affirm that that is not the way to do it. Uh, let, let's reach out for some help. The help is available and please take advantage of it. Hope for the caregiver.com. While we're on the subject of doctors and doctor's offices and so forth, like I talked about the last segment with the, <laughs> here's your son. I also took advantage of, last week's doctor visit with Gracie to remind myself of the three P's of dealing with doctors. This is for us as caregivers, the three P's of dealing with doctors. Do you know what those are? How many of you all have a lot of doctor visits as a caregiver? I bet you do. And give it time if you don't. But the three P's, because it could be a bit stressful. I mean, what you say, I mean, it could be a bit challenging and you'd feel a little bit intimidated. I know when I started this journey, I thought that doctors were just below God, and a lot of them reinforced that. I don't think that anymore. I've known too many of them. Well over 100-plus doctors have treated Gracie in these years. I mean, I've, I've kind of just stopped counting at 100. I mean, I'm talking about spent significant time with her. And it, some of them, I, you know, one of her surgeons that she started out with, he was a resident when she had her wreck, and now I think he's retired. So she went the entire career with this guy, or pretty much most of it. And so it's just, um, it's been a lengthy journey where we've had a lot of physicians, and some of them have been wonderful. Others, not so much. They're human beings, after all. And you're going to run into those. You're going to run into those who are sincere, and they really want to do a good job, and then you're going to run into those who are just phoning it in, and then you're going to run into those who are sincere, but they're not very good at what they do. That happens, okay? Either way, this is the journey we're on, and so it helps us to be able to navigate this better when we go into these offices. And if you'll notice, they're on a clock. I mean, they come in, they have everybody talk to you first so that all they have to come in and do is, you know, he or she will give a couple of minutes of time to you and say, okay, this, 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 okay, we're done. And then next. And it's almost like they're on a conveyor belt, you know, mentality or roller skate. That's just the way healthcare is. You don't have those long conversations with doctors very often. So you got to make the most of it. So I came up with a thing called the three P's of dealing with doctor, how to make the most of this medical visit. And the number one is be professional. Okay. So what does that look like? Well, 
first off, how are you dressed when you go in there? If you're looking like you just stepped out of the backyard working, you know, it, it sends a message. Respect the meeting. Respect yourself. Respect the professional environment. You don't have to put on a suit or anything. I mean, I've done that before, but it would be helpful if you went in looking like you took the meeting seriously. Also, be very much on time, even if they're not, and most of the time they're not. But the one time you're late is the time they'll be prompt. So that's just the way it is. I mean, I don't make these rules. People look at you by the way you're dressed. People look at you by the way that you show up, whether you show up on time, so forth. I mean, so be prompt and, and all those things, everything you would want people to treat you with as a professional. And also write down what you're going to talk about. Don't just think you've got it down. Write it down. Okay, put it on your phone, whatever you got to do, but have three to five issues that you want to hit. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, so you go through it. It's a business meeting. These are diagnosticians. They're clinicians. These are people that are used to looking at data and making decisions. Give them data. Don't make them go hunt for it. Okay, that is that is one of the most challenging things you'll do because you're you're going to end up shortchanging yourself and your loved one. And, and I'm saying this to us as caregivers because a lot of times we're taking our loved one to the doctor. Gracie goes to the doctor a lot. but She doesn't always feel really well. She's tired. She's in pain. She doesn't feel real well. She counts on me to be able to help her with these. Now, I try to stay in my lane and not overtake the meeting. I've done that plenty of times. I, I know you have a hard time believing that. But... It's one of those things where you, you've got to be prepared on this. So, you know, it's, it's a professional meeting treated as such. Go in there knowing that you want to address these issues and then go from there. Dress the part, be on time, address those issues. Okay, that's the first one. Be professional. Now, the second one is it seems like it's a no-brainer, but it's not. Be polite, but don't be subservient. Okay? You have caregiver authority. You know your loved one better than anybody else on the planet, okay? I've, I've been caring for Gracie since Reagan was president. And since most of the doctors that treat her have been in junior high school or less. And since a lot of the nurses that treat her since before they were born. Now, that's my reality, I don't know about yours, but that's my reality. So I'm very polite, but I've been doing this a very long time. I had a nurse one time tell me, she got, she fussed at me. And in front of a bunch of other people, she said, well, you need to trust us because you, you called, left a message for this, and you did, then you got a message over here. And, you got, and I looked at her, and I stopped her in front of everybody. I said, I called, and no one called me back. If I don't get a call back, I will keep calling until I do. Because when there's a mess, when things happen, when she falls through the crack, I'm the guy that has to clean it up. Nobody else shows up to help me do that. So when I call, I expect a call back. And that's just the way it was. <laughs> and then everybody else kind of went, okay. Because I was serious about it. I was very polite. But I don't have the wherewithal I don't have the the emotional bandwidth to put up with power plays and foolishness. And I bet you don't either. 
So we've got to learn to assert ourselves. Now, we don't have to be disrespectful, but we can assert ourselves in this. And I know that some of you may feel very uncomfortable with that. I certainly was when I started this journey. I didn't know what to say. I don't know the science, but I know her. And and, and if it would help you, I would spend some time reading in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs gives you a First off, it gives you kind of a crash course in God's MBA, Masters of Business Administration, but it also helps you understand the nature of people, of dealing with people. And it might not be a bad idea for you to spend a little bit of time in Proverbs. Read one on the first of the month, the second Proverbs 2 on the second of the month, and so forth. And you will find that it gives you that foundational understanding of how to interact with people, because they're just people. People are people everywhere you go. So yes, they may have some initials after their name, and they may have more training than you do, but that doesn't mean that they are exempt from the human condition. And we can go in and be polite, but we can be assertive. We can set boundaries. So be professional, be polite, but not subservient. And then the last one is stay out of the pharmaceutical questions and conversations unless you are directly asked, okay? Now, this is really important. I have done this so poorly over the years, and it's cost, Gracie. I'm very influential. I'm very persuasive. From what they tell me, I'm pretty articulate. And it's easier sometimes to deal with me because I can get right to the bottom of the issue, or I can say this, or I can do this, or I can, I can phrase things well. But they need to hear from Gracie, not from me. Gracie's the one with the pain. She's the one with the discomfort and these, these circumstances. And they need to hear her and observe her articulated in her own voice. Even if she has a hard time doing it, if she feels just awful that day, she has a hard time doing it, that's okay. They still need to see her distress so they can evaluate what's going on with her, how well she's able to respond with certain medications and others. Sometimes some things will cause dry mouth or sometimes things will cause, uh, you know, harder to form your sentences or sluggishness or whatever. It doesn't matter. Medication has an effect on you. You show me a pill with no side effect and I'll show you a pill with no effect. It's the way it is. And part of the observation process, part of the, the appointment is for these physicians to observe and see. And if I'm running my yap, I rob her of the opportunity to be observed without me taking over or hijacking the conversation. So I have to sometimes bite my tongue and learn to like the taste of blood. You know, I, I, it's like when I was in that room with her last week, as I said, the last block and the, and the lady said, to her prosthesis, does this come off? You know, and I'm at that point, I, I, I'm going to have to wait outside. And sometimes we just have to do that. Let the doctor talk about the prescriptions. Now, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to say, in my observation or in my experience, I've seen this, um, doctor. I've I've observed this, and I'm a little bit concerned about this. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. But be very careful with that. Because we're not physicians, unless you are a physician. And if you are, God bless you, go for it. But if you're not, let's dial it down a little bit, 
be prepared with questions, but also be prepared to hold your tongue. All right? So the three P's of dealing with a doctor. Be professional, be polite, but not subservient. And try to stay out of the pharmaceutical conversations. It will make your journey as a caregiver a little bit more peaceful. Okay? This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. Got a great interview in the next block talking about healthcare stuff. You're going to love this. You're going to find it fascinating. We'll be right back. To sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news of Jesus Christ, that is the mission of the Christian Worldview Radio Program. I'm host David Wheaton, inviting you to join us this Saturday morning at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, as we discuss all matters of life and faith from a decidedly biblical perspective. The Christian Worldview, Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, right here on American Family Radio. Hey, moms and dads, are you at your wit's end? Hi, this is Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. I'm so grateful for the partnership we have with American Family Radio. We share a common goal to bring hope to hurting families through the life-changing medium of radio. Be sure to listen Saturday afternoons at 4.30 Central on American Family Radio. Find help and hope for your family with Parenting Today's Teens. Hey, this is I Am They. And we want you to know that freedom from addiction is possible, and it starts at Adult and Teen Challenge. I started drinking every day, and I spent all my money on alcohol. I couldn't pay the rent, so I was homeless, living in a tent. My whole life, I thought that I was just going to be unhappy and depressed because that's what I deserved. I came into Teen Challenge, and this place has shown me who God created me to be. Now I'm living in complete freedom, and my future is just beautiful. For over 60 years, Adult and Teen Challenge has been providing hope and healing for a new drug-free future through the power of Jesus Christ. They have a variety of programs for men, women, teens, and more in hundreds of centers nationwide. You can find the center nearest you at 855-END-ADDICTION or at teenchallengeusa.org. You're listening to American Family Radio. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. So glad that you're with us. HopefortheCaregiver.com. HopefortheCaregiver.com. If you want to be a part of the program, if you've got comments, you've got things you want to say, we'd love to hear from you. Friends, don't let friends caregive alone. This is hard enough. Do not try to do it by yourself. Hey, have you ever had to deal with an infection in the hospital? We have. I mean, Gracie's been hurt since the 80s, and we've had so many hospital stays, and she's had so many infections over the years. Everything, staff, MRSA, name it, she's had it. I recently learned of the Committee to Reduce Infection Deaths, RID, RID, R-I-D, the Committee to Reduce Infection Deaths. The chairman is Dr. Betsy McCoy, and she is here with us today to talk about some of the things that we as caregivers can do to protect ourselves and our loved one 
when we have to go in for hospital stays or long-term care stays or inpatient rehab or all the other things that go on. And, you know, I know Gracie's going to have to face this. And I have learned so much from their website and the, and the things that they have available to you that's free that you go out and take a look at it right now. So we're very glad to be able to have Dr. McCoy here. She brings an amazing resume of patient advocate, healthcare policy expert, former lieutenant governor of New York. So, Dr. McCoy, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, I'm so happy to be able to join you and to share with all of our listeners some really vital information. So let's get right to it with an astounding fact. What is the number one predictor of who contracts a hospital infection? It's not their age. It's not the diagnosis that brought them in the hospital to begin with. No, the number one predictor of which patients contract a hospital infection is what room or bed they're placed in. Imagine that. If a patient is uh, assigned to a room or placed in a bed where the previous occupant, even two weeks, three weeks, a month before, had an infection, the risk goes way up way up. When I say way up, over five times as great. According to the Columbia School of Nursing, the risk goes up 583%. And that applies to a whole range of pathogens like you mentioned before, methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, vancomycin-resistant enterococcus, C. diff, the most numerous hospital infection, Ossinodobacter, a lot of different infections. The risk is directly tied to who occupied the bed or the room before the patient that's now being placed there. You know, when I've gone into situations like that with Gracie, I mean, I, the, to the best of my abilities, I mean, I didn't know all the things. You've got a whole program to follow and so forth. I didn't know a lot of those things, but I would personally go into the rooms before she got there. She's still in surgery. She's still in recovery. And I would... I would bring my own Lysol wipes, and I would wipe down everything. Well, Clorox bleach wipes, it doesn't matter what brand it is. Bleach wipes are the best. Oh, I did it, and, and, and yet, you know, it's still not enough, is it? There's more we can do. It's not enough, but it is a very important step. In fact, in our 15 steps, which I hope everyone listening will go up on the website and download, 15 steps you can take to reduce your risk of a hospital infection – one of them says, if you're going to visit a loved one in the hospital, forget the candy, forget the flowers, bring a canister of bleach wipes and a pair of gloves. Wiping those surfaces right around the patient's bed could be saving their life. So you did the right thing. But isn't it astounding that that is the number one predictor? And what does it mean? It says that hospitals are inadequately cleaned. They tell you they're cleaned. In fact, when I've gone in with the bleach wipes and the gloves, the nurse will say, oh, we've already done that, right? And they, they're sincere, but hospitals are not adequately cleaned. In fact, well, this, this study will really astound you. A, uh, two doctors, Dr. Michael Perry and Dr. Philip Carlin, studied 1,100 hospital rooms all the way from Washington, D.C. to Boston. They went to... Uh, hospitals in D.C., in Trenton, in uh, New York City, Stamford, Connecticut, New Haven, Connecticut, Providence, Rhode Island, all the way up to Boston, some very prestigious hospitals. And they examined how poorly or how well the hospital rooms were being cleaned 
when one patient is discharged before the next patient is admitted to that room. And they found that over half the surfaces in the room were left untouched, not touched at all by the cleaners. You know, I've, I've witnessed that because I, I just had a 10-week stay with Gracie in the hospital uh, earlier this year, and I watched the staff coming in and out. And, I, you know, I think there was a sincerity, but there's not a thoroughness. And, you know, little things like the phone. What if you drop the, the TV remote onto the floor? Little things like that that I, that I have watched. That's right. Once something's dropped, presumed to be contaminated, but many hospital workers seem unaware of that. Well, so we've got these, this study of 1,100 rooms. Over half the surfaces that are supposed to be cleaned are not cleaned. And, in fact, when I looked at the data on which surfaces were cleaned, here's the conclusion I reached. If you have to eat your lunch in a hospital room, the safest place to put your sandwich is on the toilet seat. They never overlook it. That's the one object that always gets cleaned. But they often miss the call button. They often miss the TV monitor. They often miss the bed rails. And these are surfaces that doctors and nurses and patients constantly touch. As soon as they touch that contaminated surface, their hands are recontaminated. Well, I've witnessed this up close and personal on more times than I want to remind myself of, and and Gracie certainly has, and she has struggled with this. Um, Talk a little bit about, because this is not just for hospitals. This is also for long-term care facilities and other types of facilities. So talk a little bit about that, too. Well, over the years, one of the things that reduce infection deaths does, we, we monitor and survey and assess all the new research that's coming out in the medical journals, and then we translate it into actionable items that people can understand and, and do. So, for example, if you go up on our website, we have 15 steps that you can take to reduce your risk of getting an infection in the hospital. And I'm going to go through not all 15, but I'd like to go through some of them with you to give you an idea of how, how informative and interesting and doable they are. Please do, because I've, I've looked at them, and, and they're not complex things. So please do, yes, please go through these. Okay. So if you look at these 15 steps, some of them you take before you get to the hospital, some you do while you're in the hospital, and a few afterwards. But these are steps based on the latest, best medical research, which we take and translate into actionable items that any patient and family can follow. So, for example, number one, if you're going to the hospital, don't shave. shave. Shaving creates nicks in the skin through which bacteria can enter. Shaving is like putting out a welcome mat for bacteria. So don't shave your, your face, your legs, or anywhere else. You know, that's a, the, the, the easy way to remember that is nicks or wicks. So... Don't don't shave. That's a great one. Nicks or wicks. That'll wick that that infection and that bacteria right into you. So nicks or wicks. So don't shave. That's a great one. Good. Well, here's another one. The hospital will never tell you because it, it would be an admission of how unclean the hospitals are. But the most prevalent hospital infection is something called Clostridium difficile, and people are often told that antibiotics cause C diff. No, you don't get C diff unless you swallow the C. diff spore, which 
invisibly contaminates virtually every surface in a hospital. It contaminates the surfaces because the surfaces aren't cleaned effectively. So C. diff is on the bed rail. It's on the call button. It's on the over-the-bed table. And here's what you need to do. Before you touch any of your food, before you pick up a sandwich or eat an apple, you must clean your hands off so that you don't have any of those invisible C. diff spores on your hands. Otherwise, when you pick up that food and eat it, you're going to be swallowing those C. diff spores along with your food. And once that C. diff gets into your gastrointestinal system, it causes rampant, deadly, I mean deadly diarrhea, destroys your colon, or you can, you can die from so many things related to C. diff. But the key is not to allow that spore to get in your body. And the way it gets in your body is through your mouth. You give it to yourself when your hands aren't clean. So it's very noticeable that hospitals don't tell patients, please clean your hands before you eat. But, in fact, it's essential that you wipe your hands thoroughly before you touch any food and avoid putting your utensils on any surface except your plate. You know, as caregivers, our loved ones can't always process these things. They're not in a position to do that. And so it falls on but us you to. Can. We, yeah, it falls on us to do that. And so, we, and then make sure our hands are clean as well. And I would, I've, you know, I've, I've logged in a lot of time with Gracie over these 36 years in the hospital. Yes. And, and it is, um, it is frightening how accurate this stuff is and um, how. I don't want to say slovenly, but it, 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 I don't know. What's a better word for it, Dr. McCoy? Um, Inadequately cleaned hospitals. Yeah, that's a much more diplomatic cleaned. word. And, <laughs> and let me tell you, we, so many studies show you can, you can beat this problem. Hospitals can clean adequately. We've worked with staff at many, many hospitals. For example, I'll give you a, a really vivid one. Uh, Rush Medical College in Chicago, the care, the uh, staff there worked with the environmental services people, the cleaners, showing them the surfaces they were overlooking and how to clean better. And they were able to reduce the spread of VRE, vancomycin-resistant enterococcus, which is a nasty bug. They were able to resist the spread of that bug by 66% just by working with the cleaning staff and training them better. People want to do the right job, but they don't always have the right training to do it. So if the cleaning can be improved, Robert Ornstein out at the Mayo Clinic, he reduced C. diff, the, the germ I just talked about, 86% simply by wiping the surfaces around the patient's bed once a day with Clorox bleach wipes. Imagine that. Why isn't every hospital doing that? Indeed, indeed. Dr. Betsy McCoy, she is, go to her website, hospitalinfection.org hospitalinfection.org. Look at these 15 steps, download them, memorize them, incorporate them into your life. It will save you and your loved one a world of hurt. Dr. McCoy, thank you so very much for taking the time to be with us today. You're quite welcome. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back. Have you ever struggled to trust God when lousy things happen to you? I'm Gracie Rosenberger, and in 1983, I experienced a horrific car accident leading to 80 surgeries 
and both legs amputated. I questioned why God allowed something so brutal to happen to me. But over time, my questions changed, and I discovered courage to trust God. That understanding, along with an appreciation for quality prosthetic limbs, led me to establish Standing with Hope. For more than a dozen years, we've been working with the government of Ghana and West Africa, equipping and training local workers to build and maintain quality prosthetic limbs for their own people. On a regular basis, we purchase and ship equipment and supplies. And with the help of inmates in a Tennessee prison, we also recycle parts from donated limbs. All of this is to point others to Christ, the source of my hope and strength. Please visit standingwithhope.com to learn more and participate in lifting others up. That's standingwithhope.com. I'm Gracie, and I am Standing With Hope. It gives an impetus to share your faith when you think you've got answers to objections that you expect people to bring up. The American Family Studios video series, Intro to God's Revelation, featuring Dr. Richard Howe, shows how God has revealed Himself in nature and His Word, and how we can rightly understand what God has said. These truths are just a part and parcel of the Christian life. It isn't just for the professional clergy. Learn the fundamentals of how to approach and understand the Bible in an age of skepticism. This six-week video curriculum is perfect for your Sunday school class or study group, and it can prepare you to give a defense of God's Word and how He speaks to us in nature. Knowing whether and how God communicates is a safeguard against false claims about God communicating. Intro to God's Revelation, DVDs and workbook are available for purchase at afastore.net or call 877-927-4917. back to Hope for the Caregiver. I am Peter Rosenberger. Glad that you're with us. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. The presenting sponsor of this program is Standing with Hope. Standing with Hope is the ministry that Grace and I founded many, many years ago as an extension of the journey we've been on. And our mission is for the wounded and those who care for them. And for the wounded, it's encapsulated in the prosthetic limb ministry that came from Gracie losing her own legs and seeing the value of prostheses. And we've been going over to the West African country of Ghana for many years, since 2005. And we not only take teams, but we regularly ship equipment over there. And part of that includes uh, purchasing some equipment that we can get locally in country, like resin and PVA bags and things such as that, that we could really use your help with immediately um, today. Right now, we could use the help with. Uh, This is an amazing work where patients get treated there through training and equipment that we provide, but but the folks there that are doing it on the ground, we've been with them for years. And I I recently had an opportunity to talk with them, uh, two of them. It's uh, the clinic director, Moses Coho, and um, uh, one of the technicians, Richard. And I actually, uh, Richard's very short, so I call him Zacchaeus. <laughs> and you'll love these two men. So I want you to hear this interview that I had with these two wonderful men and just hear their heart. They've been treating many patients uh, for years. They're among several of the prosthetic technicians. We have quite a few that have gone through the training that we've had with them. 
And uh, several of our patients have gone on to also do amazing things. One of them is a young man uh, named uh, Simone who is a um, hip disarticulation. That is, the the bone was taken all the way up to the hip. You have to kind of repair half of their rear end. Uh, you you build a kind of almost a bucket. It's one of the hard. It's the hardest lower limb prosthesis you can make. And uh, in fact, he needs some supplies right now because uh, he's starting out in his shop and some things. So we could, like I said, use the help to to do this amazing work. So I want you to just hear a conversation I have with these wonderful men who I have just grown to love deeply. I apologize in advance for a little bit of the audio problems you'll hear. It was challenging to do this on a Zoom call, but I hope you find this meaningful. Moses? Yes? How are you doing? By God's grace, we're doing well. And Richard, how are you doing? Same grace. We are good. And you? And my, and my, and my mother? Yeah, she is doing well. She's had a hard year, but she is doing well. And I thank you for asking about Gracie. She is, uh, her life is hard, but she wants to come see you. She wants to be there in Ghana with you. Tell me, how, how are things going in the clinic? Well, things are a bit slow now because um, generally Ghana is tough now. Economic condition is hard. So most patients are not able to even visit. Transport, cost of transportation, very high. The fuel is very expensive there, isn't it? Yes. We are working on getting you some more parts. What are things that you're looking forward to as far as patients? Do you have some complicated cases or have you done any more hip disarticulations? Ah, so far we have one, one hip disarticulation that they want to come from north, the northern region. A That's a, that is a, uh, how did she, how did she lose her leg? Do you know? A building, a mad building fell on her when she was very young. Well, a hip disarticulation yeah. is a very complex prosthesis. Yes. Are you ready for that? Sure. Sure. <laughs> All the skills from Gerard. At least we did uh, one with uh, uh, Craig. Well, we did I, one I hip disarticulation with Craig and one with Gerard. You did one with, your, one yeah, with, one, with our, our first one was with... Um, Craig, and that was for uh, Simone from the northern region. Yes, as Simone. Well. The other guy, what's the name? I think Sebastian also. No, the teacher. Yes, the teacher. Oh, yeah, yeah, Benjamin. Oh. Benjamin. Benjamin. No, not Benjamin. He's not Benjamin. He's stick tall like you. Yeah, he's from the Volta region, the tall guy. No. No, Benjamin he wasn't was Benjamin. Benjamin was a little boy. We did be careful. I thought, I, I thought he was Benjamin too. That yeah, the the teacher. Did, have you treated him lately? Has the teacher been down? Yeah, yeah, he's okay now. He came for review. He's okay now. Okay, is he happy? Yeah, very happy. Uh, Richard, Sorry. are you are you learning quite a bit? Are you ready to uh, be the big boss? Richard is learning so fast. He's doing well. <laughs> he said, you're not ready to be the big boss. Yes. Are you not ready? <laughs> Talk for yourself. I am, but, you know, the, the, the country is harsh. It is. Richard, when you, um, when you work on prostheses, 
for the patients. Do you like to, do you still like to sing while you make legs? You like to sing hymns? Sing. Yes. No, I, I don't really sing. I sing more than you. Yeah. Do you sing more than Richard? Yes. So at work, he sings more than me, but when I'm home, I do my. <laughs> <laughs> but I create lots of jokes for them because it's not easy. They've been uh, amputated and all that. What is a scripture verse that you like to think about when you treat patients? What is a Bible verse that you, you mean like a to type think of about? Song? The one for standing with hope. Tell me that one. Silver and gold I have not. <laughs> Silver and gold but, I have none, but such as I have yeah. I give. In the name exactly. of Jesus Christ it. of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Yes. Give thanks <laughs> with a grateful heart. Oh, give them to the holy one. Sing now. That's uh, that's one of Gracie's favorite songs. Jesus Christ, His Son, and now let the weak say, "I am strong." Let the poor say, "I am rich," because of what the Lord has done. For us, give them. Well, anytime I'm singing this song, I remind the day we went to church. <laughs> I, I, I'm ready to come back over there. I've got um more people that I want to bring. I've got to get Gracie a little bit more stable. And then sure. I'm hoping I can come over there and be with you and we can go to church again together. How about that? Amen. Yeah, we'll be happy. We'll be happy. Now, am I the only one that still calls Richard Zacchaeus? Talk. Hmm? Will you still want to be called Zacchaeus? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a good name. <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> Richard, uh, does everybody else call you Zacchaeus or just me? Yes, just you. Just me. And then sometimes Moses. <laughs> <laughs> well... Listen, it is a treat to see your faces and to be able to just talk with you. More supplies are coming. We're going to talk some more. I need the sizes for the pediatric liners that you requested. Just tell me what you need, okay? Okay. And and we'll get those, and uh, we'll keep you going, and then hopefully I'll get over there soon. Maybe maybe in the next several months we can get over there. All right. The next several months hopefully hopefully i gotta i have to make sure gracie is stable first uh sure. i can't i can't leave her right at this point and i'm not sure i can't bring her but i can't leave her but we'll get over there soon okay okay you guys are great thank you for all the hard work thank you for what you do and we'll talk some more oh, i love her guys to everybody thank you ask dr Mac, 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 Mac. how is Mac? Mac is is old <laughs> Mark is old now. He's old. He's he moves very <laughs> slow. He moves very slow. Um, ask Dr. Ka is Dr. Kaba still over there? No, Dr. Kaba has been away for almost a year now. To whoever his replacement is, get him to get you some high speed internet. The whole of Ghana doesn't have high speed internet. <laughs> I know. We tried. We had for a little while we did, but it's well, been very difficult to keep it stable. Um, mm. but we'll work on that. But in the meantime, 
You guys have a great day, and thanks for taking the time to talk to thanks me. Thanks so much. Thanks for your time. We love you. Right. God bless you. Love you both. Bye-bye. Let me hug you. Let me hug you, please. <laughs> that is my conversation on Zoom with Moses Koho and Richard Owusu over in Accra, Ghana. More than 10 years ago, Moses started out as a technician, and now he is head of the entire clinic, and they do prosthetics and orthotics. Richard has been with them several years, and they are just wonderful men. I love them dearly, and I, I again, apologize for the audio difficulties. Moses was doing that on his phone outside the clinic. They are tremendous. They they pray with, with patience. Uh, as Richard says, he likes to tell jokes uh, because he knows that it's very difficult for them. It's a tough time right now. The fuel is very expensive, so a lot of patients are having a hard time getting there for review uh, because once you put a leg on them, you need to check on them regularly, and yet they are working with, with tough circumstances there. They've had amazing attitudes. It was Benedictus was the, the teacher. We put a hip disarticulation on him. Uh, one of our prosthetists, Gerald Deason, from Alabama went over there. The other one was Craig, uh, many, many years ago did our first one. It, it was a tremendous accomplishment, and now they're doing solo hip disarticulations. I saw the one that Moses recently did. It's an amazing work, and of course, most of the amputations are below the knee. Some are above the knee, and then every so often you'll have that hip disarticulation, which is a very difficult one to do. But I hope you enjoyed just listening to them. Thank you for being a part of what we do, and I would ask that you help us do it more. If you want to be a part of this, hopeforthecaregiver.com slash giving. You can give to the Caregiver Outreach or the Prosthetic Limb Outreach. We would welcome the support. Hopeforthecaregiver.com slash giving. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.